What's going on everybody? This is Coach here with Movie Fix and welcome to episode 2. And today, joining me for Movie Fix is Nick. Hey everybody, how's it going? Oh man, our fearless leader of TX3 Productions has graced us with his presence today. Yes, oh. it's okay. Everybody, stop it. You can get back up. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> there are just bodies hitting the floor everywhere. They're passing out the fact that the you're here. The bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies. bodies hit the floor. Yeah, it's a good time. Oh, man. So, Nick, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. I'm still getting over my sickness. Um, if you listen to our other family of podcasts, then you probably noticed that I was a little bit more of a bass, and I'm usually more of a tenor, and that's why, because I'm still trying to get over that. In fact, we recorded this a little later, because I'm like, um, it, I don't want to die, so can I just sleep, please? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, once again, this is the second week in a row. We, we normally want to try to record on Mondays. Right, right. And second week in a row that we're recording on Wednesday, and I'm trying to release it on a Thursday. So this is going to be very exciting for me, trying to get it in last minute, let me tell you. Um, uh, but, uh, but Nick, so while we're on the topic, uh, why don't you just kind of tell everybody what's been going on with TX3 lately? And me and T-Foles did a little bit, but, uh, you know, you're, you're the guy. So why don't you just kind of talk about TX3 real quick before we get started? All right, so Threat X3 Productions is our production company here. The Movie Fix is a sister podcast of that and hosted by yours truly, the coach himself. Um, and Threat X3 Productions is uh, a bunch of stuff. Right now we have a YouTube, so you can go to YouTube at Threat X3 Productions, or you can go to Twitter at TX3 Productions. Um, just add at gmail.com at the end of that. And you got threadx 3 productions at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us that. And for now, uh, we're really focusing on our audio. And that, that you got Nerd to the Third, which is our more general podcast. We talk about video games, movies, and nerd culture. But we also have an Apex Legends podcast which is blowing the f up and that one's called apex legends hubcast so if you are from there hello but if you're interested go on over there and that's also available on all the platforms that you can also find movie fix yeah for sure and and that like I said, like you said apex is really blowing up so uh you know we've been on this ground for i know you've been on it longer than i have but i've been with you guys for about a year or so mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. you know just so I just want to tell you congratulations on some of the success we're having and, uh, you know, it's well earned and, uh, let's keep this thing going. So I just want to spitball that out there, uh, while we're on the second ever episode of movie fix, you know, I should just say the first ever episode too. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh uh, man. So same as last week, we're going to start with our weekend box office. All right, so weekend box office. Here we go. Number one, we have How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, uh, grossed in thirty million in the second weekend. So it's sitting right now at total gross of about ninety-seven million Ooh. on a budget of one twenty-nine. So it looks to me like it's going to easily break that as long as it has another stellar weekend next weekend, which I expect it will. Uh, kids' movies tend, generally tend to get more money a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, and also the fact that if this, this, if the movie hits 150 million, 170 million, 180, you know, the company's very happy. Uh, so, uh, and you've actually, did you see the first two movies as well? Oh yes, definitely. Okay. See, I still haven't seen the first two and I meant to make that a priority this week and it just never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, what are your just general thoughts about how to train your dragon? Uh, how to train your dragon is, uh, it's a nice series as far as it's definitely not Pixar quality as far as like the, um, the storytelling and the overall graphics, but it's also definitely not like, uh, despicable me quality. I feel like the, the despicable me people they make their movies specifically for kids and so sometimes adults can kind of enjoy themselves but not really but then you have on the other you know side of the coin i guess you have pixar and that is for the entire family no matter what age you are you can enjoy a pixar movie not so much lately i mean it's been hit or miss lately like good dinosaur isn't like a great pixar movie but it's still it's still fun for the whole family and then you have stuff like kung fu panda or you know how to train your dragon they're both from dreamworks they're not like horrible movies they're not also masterpieces they run right in the middle and um as far as the trilogy you know i i like how to train your dragon we went and saw the third one as a you know because i have a three-year-old so she like she likes it and everything so i mean i can kind of get more into that when we talk about reviews yeah for sure uh, and now is, is that a, now it is a DreamWorks, right? Is that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay. I just want to make sure I couldn't quite remember. And, and yeah, totally. Uh, you know, I, I know I've heard nothing but praise for the series and I just haven't ever watched any of them for one reason or another. So it's definitely on the bucket list. Uh, number two, Tyler Perry's a Medea family reunion. This family, movie, family I'm funeral. very family funeral. Sorry, not reunion. That was like the third or fourth movie I think (laughs) they did, and I don't even know anymore. Uh, But somehow this movie pulled in twenty-seven million for the first weekend. Uh, These movies, man, they just make money. Yeah, and this is supposedly, according to Tyler Perry, the last Medea movies he's doing. So I'm not like super surprised that Mm -hmm. you know more people might go out and see it, but. I went and seen this with my dad because my dad likes them, and uh, we'll we'll dig into that a little more with the reviews. But I, I mean, have you seen any of the Tyler Perry movies, there, Nick? Uh, no, and that's just because like it, it's not really for me. You know, I I I I've seen the trailers and nothing has ever grabbed me, and that's just because you know I just that's just I'm not their key demographic for that. So yeah, no, I mean it's uh it's definitely. A niche, you know. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I honestly think people from the South appreciate it a little bit more um, because that. it I is based that. in the South uh, and that sort of thing. So I, I think it's kind of a Southern thing more than anything else. Uh, and you know, this the Medea movies have been going on since Diary of Black, Mad Black Woman. Uh, however long ago that was, I think it came out maybe two thousand five, two thousand six. Right. Uh, you know, it's come out with you know, five, six, seven, eight movies, something like that. And, uh, so successful series money wise, but critically they always bomb. Oh yeah. So, right. <laughs> so there's that. Um, number three, Alita battle angel, uh, pulled in 7 million. 
the total gross is at $72 million. The problem is it costs $170 to make. Uh, yeah. Then this was a big, like, James Cameron, you know, front runner. So, like, you think James Cameron being attached to it, that would have that would have made it gross a lot more but like so far not really i mean we're this is week three and yeah not so much yeah and i reviewed this last weekend or last week on the episode and this was a good movie like mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a placement issue i don't know like would it have been better in the summer when these type of movies are more of a thing i was it just the advertising itself didn't do the movie itself justice i'm I'm not too sure what it is but i know that a lot of people were on the fence about it yeah uh, yeah and especially if you are a fan about it like I've, I've heard a lot of that too a lot of about if you're a fan of alita yeah gotcha so yeah i, I don't it, it, it really i think it just really depends yeah, so I don't know what the deal is with Alita, but it, it is a better movie that deserves a little bit better, um, you know, and they set the movie up to have a sequel, and I'm really hoping they still give it a sequel, but man, it's going to be tough if it's losing 70 mil. That, mm-hmm. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough, you know, and that's assuming it even gets to 100 million at the rate it's going. Uh, all right, so number four, the Lego Movie 2, the second part. <laughs> uh, pulled in 6.6 million uh, total gross 91 million it's in its fourth week uh, and I may mention this last week I didn't think Lego Movie 2 was quite as good as Lego Movie 1 yeah um, and I didn't think it was quite as good as the spinoffs the you know the Lego Batman that sort of mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's definitely the weaker out of those movies um, and you know I'm I'm okay with this movie being where it is it's almost grossed 100 million and I think that's kind of what they wanted out of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I it finally saw the first one. I think it and was... And what were your thoughts on the first one? Two, three weeks ago. Um, it, it was okay. You know, it definitely, like... Especially, like, how much everybody was harping on about it, which could have definitely played into what I thought about it. But especially how much everybody was harping on about it, I was expecting to really enjoy it. And then it was just kind of like, it's a good movie, and I could see why people liked it, but I definitely didn't understand the hype. So, like, when I saw this, and I'm like, okay, it just looks like they're doing another one. And it's definitely one of those, like, lightning in a bottle kind of thing, you know, unless unless it's a, a studio who's making the sequel for all of the right reasons. You know, like, them making another Toy Story, I don't want to harp too much on this or whatever, but them making another Toy Story 4, like, they have to convince me that it is a really, really good idea for them to be making another Toy Story. And that's going to be in the back of my mind the entire time I'm watching the, the movie versus lego it's like okay yeah if you like legos then you're probably gonna like this movie but (laughs) it's as simple as if you like legos (laughs) yeah exactly but my my point is is that i don't know if this was necessarily made for all the right reasons because i mean it seems like this one was pumped out then the batman one was pumped out really shortly after then the uh, ninjago one was pumped out really shortly after and then we have this one so I mean, 
depending on like how many teams do they have going at once like is is there's like two team an a team and a b team a team was working on lego movie b team was working on lego batman and so like are we getting the a team of the lego movie people or are we getting the b team like not only that but is this movie made for money or is this movie made because they wanted to tell a story and just from everything I've seen about it, and obviously now hearing what you said about it, it's just it just seems like another movie. And there, and sometimes, sometimes, that's not a bad thing. But I mean, I just I just feel like you you run this really fine line, especially with like kids movie, because that like then you're 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 harping on my strings, you know. I'm a dad, and it's like I have to go spend money on these type of movies to make my my daughter happy or people like me, you know. And so now you're digging into those people's pockets. You're not digging into the kids' pockets necessarily. So that's why, like, I when I was talking about Pixar, for instance. They make movies for everybody. You know, you don't have to be a kid to enjoy them. And I feel like people who who do make like sequels just for the money, they're missing the point because you don't need to convince the kids. Those aren't really the ones that are spending the money. You know, I made a joke on the last Nerd to the Third um, because Wonder Park, you know, that stupid CG movie. I made a joke about how I'll just not tell Zoe Ann that the movie's out because I don't want to go see it. Yeah, no, and <laughs> and you're totally making some great points here, man. Uh, you know, I, honestly, I forgot Ninjago is even a thing. The Lego right, Ninjago. right. And I actually didn't see that one because I was like, I've already seen the Batman. I've already seen the Lego movie. What mm-hmm. could they possibly do that was that much different, you know? And so maybe that's what it is with Lego movie too. And definitely... Uh, the Lego movie got so much hype that when I saw it, I didn't know much about it. And just somebody said, hey, it's good. You need to go see it. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but for me, that's like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. I don't like mm-hmm. them that much, you mm-hmm. know, just from just because everybody's like, oh, it's the best thing Marvel does. Ah. And I'm just like, eh, it's all right. You yeah, know? right. It, you know, so I totally get all that for sure. Uh, and uh you're definitely right about Toy Story. You're definitely right about just uh, sequels in general are always just tricky, mm-hmm. you know, of, and not, and especially kid movie trilogies or sequels or whatever. It's just always tough. Always, always, always tough. And with Lego, it definitely seemed like they made this Lego movie with really high production. There was a lot of heart behind it and all this kind of stuff. And, and then the Batman character was so popular. It was like, hey, let's do a spinoff. Hey, let's do another one. And then, hey, we got to bring the original band back together because Ninjago didn't do as good as we thought. Right. It was just, you know. So that's kind of where it seemed like Lego Movie 2 was. But So there's Lego Movie Part 2 review. Uh, <laughs> number five, uh, Fighting With My Family. I'm so happy to see this still up there. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not happy with the dollar amount still. Um, but I am going to champion this movie until the day I die. This is a great movie. You need to go see it. Uh, but it only pulled in $4.6 million for a grand total gross of like $14 million. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it costs to make. You know, maybe it costs $10 million or so. But uh, it is definitely a good movie. You need to go watch it. Uh, and I don't think that it's getting enough credit for how good a movie it is. Like you don't mm-hmm. hear a lot of buzz about it outside of movie people for the most part, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Movie. Your Jeremy Johns and your Chris Stuckman's like they're yes. championing it, but, but yeah, you don't hear anything outside that. I'll have, I'll have to agree with you there. 
Yeah, so I mean, outside of the movie people, you don't hear anything about it, but it's not a water cooler movie is what I'm saying, I guess, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Number six. This is just flooring me. Green Book mm-hmm. is at number six. It, it won Breaking some awards, in, right? Is that why it's back up? Yeah, Mahershala Lee won awards, and it also just won Best Picture uh, oh, for the okay, Oscars. okay, okay. And so, I mean, I guess that's why it's back up because, you know, uh, now at least AMC is doing their normal run of, hey, here's all the Oscar-nominated movies right, for Best right. Picture. Pay, like, 40 bucks and you see, like, all six movies or something, like, in one day. It's actually not, like, a terrible deal, but that's a lot of movie watching. And not about <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, but... Well, you would think the voters who pick the awards would need to do that, but no, they don't. Uh, <laughs> jokes. So, but yeah, so somehow Green Book is there raking in four and a half million, uh, 75 million gross, which doesn't really matter when you're a, a movie like that for the most part. They kind of just want to get the recognition. Well, I mean, look at the budget 23. Yeah. So, yeah, they've already doubled it and tripled it. Oh, yeah, I know. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when Sling Blade first came out, you know, that movie probably cost uh-huh. like four bucks to make. They just had to buy a lawnmower <laughs> blade, you know, mm. and so kudos to that movie. Somehow it's at week 16 and it's still in the top 10. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, number seven, isn't it romantic? Yay. Uh, four and a half million. It grows 40 million. You know, I said it last week. I don't have much to say about this movie. Mm-hmm. I just don't, you know. Uh, I I don't know if this girl has a very bright future as a main lady, you know, I I mean, we already have a, this sounds horrible, but we already have like a heavier set white lady who's really loud and obnoxious. That's Melissa McCarthy. And I still don't understand how people keep giving her money, but they do. And I just don't feel like there's enough room in this world for two people of that. Now, like this girl, um, God help me. I can't think of anybody else to call her, but fat Becky or whatever, but fat Amy, fat Amy, <laughs> sorry, yeah, fat Amy. Sorry. For some reason I thought it was Becky anyways, but fat Amy, the, you know, she's really good as like a side character or as you know a she she's not a main person which is like the same thing i've always said about like about like melissa mccarthy and kevin hart you know like they're really funny people if you put them with the right person put kevin hart with dwayne the rock johnson and jack black and jumanji was freaking awesome but kevin hart all by himself and eh, not so much put Kevin Hart with Brian Cranston and now all of a sudden it's this, you know, thoughtful, emotional movie. I've heard nothing but good about that. But then Melissa McCarthy, you start putting her by herself and it's just like, eh, you put her with Sandra Bullock and it's like, eh, and then you put him with a puppet and it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's, I'm right there with you, dude. I, I don't have anything <laughs> to say about it really. Right. Maybe, maybe someday I'll watch it, you know, if, uh, my girlfriend wants to watch it or something, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it for the most mm-hmm. part. Uh, number eight, Greta, 4.4 million week one. So that's not very good. And I went and seen this movie and there's not really much to say. There was, it wasn't a great script. It was a very uh, stereotypical movie, mm-hmm. but it did have some really good acting in it. Surprisingly, like the acting is what made the movie go to theaters as opposed to like a TV movie or straight to DVD. Hey, 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 won't you start ragging on Netflix movies? 
No, definitely not Netflix movies, but I'm just saying <laughs> straight to television, not even streaming, you know? Uh, just straight to, like, I don't know, like, Lifetime or something. Oh, like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You, you know, something along those lines. Not, like, a high-quality thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it wasn't, like, the worst thing, but uh, it, it had some good acting, but it was very stereotypical and nothing really unique about it. It felt like it was mm-hmm. written, like, in the 90s. You know, like, the 90s had a bunch of those movies where it was just, like, there's a stalker, somebody's creeping, or, you know, like, the uh, suspense thrillers you had in the 90s. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. very much what it felt like, but just not quite on that level. Uh, so, I mean, if I had to give this a rating, uh, you know, I guess I would just give it a low stream it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think you gain anything by watching it at all. <laughs> you know, so... There's that one. Uh, number nine, What Men Want, uh, $2.7 million at what 49 million total. Wants, what a man needs. <laughs> oh, Whatever God. makes him happy sets that, this him is free. This is happening on Ruby <laughs> Fix. So, What Men Want, uh, Taraji P. Henson. Uh, it's an okay movie. Uh, I believe I gave this a stream it uh, during the last episode, or mm-hmm. maybe I didn't even... I reviewed it all. Honestly, can't remember, but it, it's an okay movie. It is definitely one, and I and I said this a couple of times in the previous episode. It's kind of one of those like if you're flipping through the TV uh, and yeah, there's right. like nothing to watch, and it's like bam, there it is. Okay, yeah, I'll watch it, you know, or something like that. But beyond that, nothing more to it. Uh, number ten, still still hanging in there. Happy Death Day to you. Two point four million, mm-hmm. twenty five million total. And it's the third week. Yeah, nine um, million for the budget. So I mean, it's definitely made more than. And I, I, I have to say, I saw the first one. Uh, I think it was the week of its release, so that would have been three weeks ago. And I mean, I, I feel like it definitely deserves it as far as it, it deserved to have a sequel or whatever. And just from, I mean, have you seen it? Uh, Happy Death Day to you. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, to to me, everything I've seen, you can just tell me if I'm right or wrong. Don't give me any more spoilers. But to me, from everything I've seen, it's like they this is one of the sequels I was talking about, how like they actually told a story with it rather than they're just making it for the money. Am, am I correct? Yeah. They, they kind of yes. steer away from like the very first one where it was like not like a pure slasher fic, mm-hmm, uh, flick, mm-hmm. but, you know, where it was much more kind of horror based. Mm hmm. They made this one much more like a kind of a romance thing and then like a murder mystery type thing. Hmm. And mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. you know, it almost kind of came a mix. I think I said this last week of like Final Destination mm. and like uh, Halloween or something, you know, in the sense of because you see it in the trailer where she's like having a good time dying so many times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they so they kind of play on that a little bit. And so that's kind of where the second one leads. And it was good. Like if they do a third one, I'm kind of anxious to see what they do with it. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but I don't think it was quite as good as the first one in terms of like understanding what it was, Mm -hmm. execution, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But it wasn't a bad movie at all. Yeah. You know, it it was a stream. It, you know, definitely a stream it, uh, for my blood. Uh, and then just an honorable mention, number Number 11, 11. number 11, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, 2.1 million, 187 million. 
Yep. Uh, so a couple things know. to point out about this. Um, in our lost episodes, if they're ever released, uh, we were actually complaining because it didn't quite make its budget of $90 million. Well, now it has surpassed that. Thank God. God, it surpassed. It doubled it. But then here's the cool thing, because this definitely is Oscar-worthy right here. It won for Best Animation. It jumped up from 16 all the way to 11. Now, obviously, that's not a huge jump, but still, you can tell that the Oscars happened. It won. People are all like, you know what? I've been meaning to go see that Spider-Man movie. Yeah, no, for sure, and... I know that we had talked about we really hoped uh, again in the last episodes that we hoped it would hit two hundred million because mm-hmm. at the time we reviewed it, it looked like it was going to be a little bit scary if it hit one ninety or mm-hmm. even the mm-hmm. one eighty. I think at the time might have been like one fifty or one forty. Yeah, we just wanted uh, it to get to the triple digits. Yeah, we were. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. I can't quite remember, but yeah, for sure. So to see it, it doubled that ninety million. Mm. Very happy. We're Very pumped. Happy. Can't wait for Into the Spider-Verse 2, or whatever they decide to call it. Yeah, right. And that is our weekend box office. Uh, so, Nick, do you, is there anything about the box office in particular that you noticed outside of maybe a couple of these Oscar movies getting a good bump, such as Green Book, a Spider-Man, mm-hmm. even A Star anything. is Born rose up a little bit from 20 to 13. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody rose just a tiny bit. Yeah, right. uh, So anything? So is there anything that you that you know really out noticed? To me? Eh, not really. I mean, I am super surprised that after three wo- uh, three weeks, isn't it romantic? Is anywhere close? That just really shows you the the um, that just shows you the selection. There apparently isn't enough selection if she can get any sort of top ten. Even if it's, but three weeks later, I'm just like, really? I don't know. No, and I made this mention a little bit in the last episode. Like, it really felt like this year, not so much last year. Last year, I thought was a phenomenal year Mm -hmm. in terms of the type of movies that came out and how well they were spaced out. Um, But it really felt like there was, like, glass in January. Mm -hmm. And then there was uh, the Lego Movie 2, which I was really excited for. And then there's what, you know? Yeah. Uh, it just really felt like the movies this year in particular. Like, there's some nice movies in there. Like I said, Fighting My Family, I love it. It's great. But it's not like this all-time spectacular movie you need to go see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alita, Alita was probably that next big one, honestly, after Glass. True. You know, really and truly, there was, like, Alita. And then there's How to Train Your Dragon. And then what else is there? There's, like, three legitimate movies out right now uh, in terms of, you know, hey – this is a really, really good movie. Yeah. You know, uh, so. Until you know, that, April. That's kind of where we're sitting. Until April. Yeah, basically until, I mean, I guess really this weekend is when it starts to kick off, I guess. Uh, maybe a little bit. I haven't looked too far ahead, but something just to keep an eye on is where some of these movies start to go as, you know, the bigger blockbusters start coming out and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so from there, we are going to roll right in, Nick, into our movie reviews. All right, so Nick, I'm going to ask you to go first and talk about How to Train Your Dragon 3, since uh, we basically want to give precedent to the best movie that's being reviewed for the week. Uh, So (laughs) why don't you go ahead, Nick, and, and kind of tell us about that dragon. Tell about that dragon. Okay, so... um. 
So, I mean, like I was saying before, like How to Train Your Dragon series comes from DreamWorks and uh, Pixar is the biggest company out there. They make it for everybody. And then the Despicable Me, which who who makes this? It's called Illumination now, I think. Yeah, Illumination. They clearly make it for kids. So this is somewhere in between because it's doesn't never wouldn't match the echelon of Pixar but it's definitely definitely not the crappy you know illumination illumination um it's definitely not that bad so um i feel like if you go into a, if you go into one of these movies expecting that then that's good you know so that's just the context before i even get started with the review now i'm going to review it as a fan of how to train your dragon 1 and 2 and I do have to say that this one being the third one and wrapping up the season, the season, uh, wrapping up the franchise, I feel like was really good. And I mean, if you're able to watch one, two and three kind of in in sequence or whatever, it makes a really good story. Um, and I feel like the best way I can describe that is a lot of a lot of movies have like their characters from one to the other and nothing really changes that much. I mean, a really good example would be like Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph uh-huh. 1 and 2, they're both really good movies. They both have their own story arcs and everything, but the character himself, Wreck-It Ralph, doesn't really change that much. It, there's not a lot that changed about them. Uh, and so it's just you know, the world itself doesn't feel that alive because nothing really ever changes. What I really liked about it, and I mean, you sort of notice it in the in the first sequel, but then this one being the second sequel, you really start to notice it. So in How to Train Your Dragon 1, nobody likes dragons and blah, blah, blah. And then, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, they do like dragons by the end of it. And so at the beginning of 2, it's couple years later now instead of hunting dragons they're um riding dragons and they're living alongside dragons so there's this very very clear um there's this very clear change between one and two you know versus Wreck-It Ralph 1 and 2, it's just like, yeah, they're still at the arcade they do certain things different like he's not in the he's not in the uh you know, the AA for, you know, evil people anymore, but that's, that's pretty much the only thing that's, oh, now he hangs out with Vanellope that, you know, there's not a lot from the world itself that's really different. And so it just does, it just feels like a sequel or it just feels like another story rather than the continuation of the story. And so that's what I really like about how to train your dragon one, two, and three is that it feels like a very good continuation. So now they're living amongst the dragons, they're having fun and everything. And then then from two to three, um, like the biggest difference is like, you know, like Hiccup, he's growing a beard and they're talking about like marriage and stuff. Um, that's not a huge spoiler because they talk about that right at the beginning of the movie. So um, but there's like there's clear things that's happened in in the past now. And they're they're you know, there's there's ramifications and everything. And so that's one thing that I just really like 
about this franchise in general is that it feels like things have changed. I'd even say like pan, uh, Kung Fu Panda. The only thing necessarily that changed from Panda one and two is that, well, now two, he lives up in the, you know, he lives up in the temple or something and he's a, he's a fighter, but the overall, like everybody acts exactly the same. Everybody, does all the same stuff so there's not any even character wise they don't act different how to train your dragon is completely different because it's like they're learning how to do stuff differently and they they really make that very clear and so even the characters themselves change from each movie and so it makes it feel like that passage of time wasn't just like oh don't worry nothing interesting happened (laughs) this whole chunk of time that you completely missed nothing interesting ever happened no there's a lot that seems to have happened and they're learning from it and they're getting better or they're getting worse you know and i i really like that because it makes the world feel you know lived in and so that's 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 really cool um the movie itself um i i really liked it uh, and also it was just, it was just kind of like, okay, this is, this is good. You know, it definitely wasn't a masterpiece, but once again, going back to my context of the review, if you went into expecting not a Pixar quality story, then it wasn't really something I was really just expecting to go in, watch this movie with my daughter and my wife and have a good time. So like from that aspect, I think it's a really good movie. Um, from the storytelling aspect, like I said, just, you know, the consequences and everything, that's really good. Voice acting is always really nice. I mean, I like all the different actors. You got, like, T.J. Miller, uh, America Fiera, um, whoever the hell plays Hiccup, that skinny guy. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, like, I like where it ends up, and I like, I like, I like... I guess the epilogue, I guess is what you would call it. It has a very kind of like, not to give too much away, but it just kind of has a very like uncharted four kind of epilogue where it's like, you get to see a little bit past the story and you're like, Oh, that's nice. And it just ends it in a really nice way. And it doesn't like leave it open for another sequel. It was very much like, this is the, this is the true ending of the how to train your dragon storyline. And I wouldn't say it was like, you know, toy story three where I was just like, Oh my God, just a complete mess. And just, just curled up in a ball or anything. It was nothing like that, but it would definitely like, it definitely got me in the feels and it definitely got me to tear up a little bit. And I mean, any right. movie that can kind of hit you in a, in a real good, you know, emotional place like that. I feel like that's the point of a movie. It's really to make you feel something, you know, and I, I feel like if you can accomplish that, then you are a good movie. Now, if you make me cry like a withering little baby, then, you know, you're Pixar and you deserve to die, but also you're just really good filmmakers. But I mean, uh, so, uh, so as far as like our rating scale, I think I would put this at a matinee price. Um, even though I did technically see it on day one. <laughs> so, right. but, but I'm just saying for you guys at home, I would definitely count this as a matinee price. Um, I don't know if I would, I would spend the premium bucks on it, but also I do feel like it is, especially if you've seen all the other How to Train Your Dragons, I definitely see that. I feel like this is something to see in the movie theaters because it's the end of an era, so to speak. If they make right. another one, 
I, I really hope they don't, <laughs> but if they had, if they made another one, it would need to be like a side story because the way they wrap it up is, is so fitting that if they made another one, it just really would feel wrong, you know? And Very so, on. yeah. And so like, but, but like I said, it's not the best thing of all. So yeah, I think a good matinee price is the perfect grading for this movie. Right. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, you may or may not know this, but how does this movie inter- like? Do the movies intertwine at all with the TV show that Netflix does? Do you know that at all? Absolutely. Or? Actually, it does. Uh, funnily enough, uh, my my daughter was starting to watch that too right around the same time that we went and saw the movie. Uh, funnily enough, if you check out the cast, the actual cast of the movie is in the TV show, and I thought that was like really really cool. Um, I think the only people who don't return for their roles is Jonah Hill and Gerard Butler. Uh, and as far as like billing goes, like that kind of makes sense. I don't think they could afford Gerard Butler unless they literally had him on like once a season, <laughs> you know, right, yeah. and he literally just said two words or something. And then Jonah Hill, that also makes kind of sense. Like he's, he's a big time producer now with mid nineties. And even if he wasn't a producer, or I mean, not producer, a uh, director is what I meant. Even if he wasn't a director, he's, a, he's a producer and he actually makes his own movies. And so like, I get that, but I mean, they got TJ Miller, bleh, they got TJ Miller back America Fiera, which she does superstore now. So her still doing that. And I want to say there's like six seasons of it. So yeah. I want to say it's in between, I want to say it's in between one and two because someone is still around that is ah. <laughs> that does, that isn't around in later movies. So <laughs> I want to say it's okay. in between because yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I like the series, you know, it's definitely obviously like a lower quality. They, they don't spend as much time, like obviously getting the details and like all the scruffs of the hair of, Oh yeah. You know, obviously. So obviously they don't spend as much, but as far as like quality of a TV show or whatever, it's, it's really good. And, um, I wouldn't say it's like, let's say, um, what is it? The Star Wars Clone Wars. I wouldn't say yeah. it's like that quality of like action and stuff. But as far as just like a kid show that's about dragons or whatever, totally cool. If you like the How to Train Your Dragon, um, you know, universe, it's definitely worth trying out as far right. as just do I like it? Do I not like it? And it's just it's just a fun kind of. I mean, I guess distraction. I mean, I don't want to call it that. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with that. You <laughs> know, sometimes you that, just man. want to throw something on for your three-year-old in the background that you wouldn't also mind to watch yourself. Yeah, that you don't mind catching a glimpse of every yeah. now and again. To I mean, I'm still playing on. my PlayStation or whatever. But if yeah. I happen to look up, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> nah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess that wraps up your... The review for How to Train Your Dragon 3 and also the, I guess, a little bit of a mini review for the How to Drain, Train Your Dragon show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. So in our Discord, uh, which is where you can most easily find us at, you know, give us a list of maybe what your favorite, you know, How to Train Your Dragon movies are. Because, uh, again, I've never seen them. So, I, you know, is one the best out of all of them? I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, just if you're in our Discord, please just kind of rank up the How to Train Your Dragon movies 
uh, just to kind of continue this conversation. Also, who's your favorite character and who's your favorite dragon? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about that, but if you have one of those, go for it, you know, go for it. Uh, so we're going to roll into that nice little review you gave there, Nick. And we are going to talk about Tyler Perry, a Medea family funeral. Are you sure? Isn't there like, uh, don't we have something else to talk about? <laughs> no. It, well, here is where we start to talk about the Deadpool days of Christmas past or whatever that crap was called <laughs> once upon a deadpool you know right uh, n- no i mean yes unfortunately we have to talk about the tie pair movie mm-hmm. uh, here's the deal man the tyler Perry movies are what they are either mm-hmm. you're gonna like them or you're gonna hate them um and i normally didn't mind the tyler Perry movies i thought that there was like some of the skits if you kind of thought of it like a skit show right just right. all jumping into a movie it's really not that terrible you know, so if you think of like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a skit now, all of a sudden my mind is blank. But if you try to think of a skit show like Wanda when Jamie Foxx is Wanda, if oh, you yeah, could imagine right. just a bunch of Wanda skits kind of rolled into a storyline, kind of like what Johnny Knoxville did with Bad Grandpa. Uh, that's a good bit. point, yeah. You know, a little bit. That's kind of what you're getting here. Of course um, you pick someone white. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I did say Jamie Foxx and Wanda, though, so I get a pass. Yeah, that's true. Um, true. But here's what the most annoying thing about the movie. Uh, If you don't know, Tyler Perry's into a lot of things, and I believe he has his own show on the OWN network, which is the Oprah Winfrey network, called, like, The Haves and Have-Nots. And it's very much a dramatic, you know, soap opera-y type show. Oh, yeah. And what was so terrible about this movie for me was in a comedy, I want the comedy to be interwoven with the story, you know, Um, and I want it to feel like real comedy, you know, not so much a bunch of slapstick stuff, although I do love slapstick, but, you know, the conversations that you'll hear every day at the water cooler that, you know, you could see yourself talking about with your friends or something and somebody says something really funny, and you're like, oh, that's funny because that's something that would actually be done in real life. That sort of thing. Yeah, totally. And this movie, kind of, the whole movie, and it was so freaking annoying, was comedy set, dramatic piece. Comedy set, dramatic. Comedy, dramatic. Comedy, dramatic. And then at the end, it was kind of all one big we're going to really mix in the comedy and the drama all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got back and forth the whole movie. And I'm not talking about like a five minute comedy and then oh, a five minute drama. This is like a full on 15, 20 minute section of Medea and whoever her gang is talking to each other and making jokes and slapping each other and, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, doing whatever the Medea shenanigans are. And then you'll have about 10, 15 minutes of whatever the storyline is. Huh. And it just bounces back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it felt like a very uh, discontinuous movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it was so much, so hard into the, hey, this part is funny and you're going to like it. And then this part is so serious and so dramatic, you're not going to laugh or smile or anything during those 10 minutes because it's so serious, you know? And 
It all it, it felt really soap opera-y because and it's kind of like this with all the Tyler Perry movies, but all the people on there are really good looking. They're all, you know, just got this either this perfect life or they're having a horrible life. There's nowhere in between, um, and so it felt very soap opera like and. The acting wasn't great. It was okay, I guess. Um, but it was definitely something you would see on a TV network, which is probably where most of these actors are, honestly. It's just on OWN, or maybe they're on the haves and have-nots and that sort of thing. And So that's where the overall movie is. There's no real direction to speak of. There's no real cinematography. It's basically all shot in about two locations, maybe three. Oh, yeah. So there's not a whole lot of that going on, whereas some of the other Medea movies, you know, they kind of go all over. This was basically set all in one house, uh, there's a hotel scene, and then there's like a hospital waiting room scene, and then the funeral home. So I guess those four. And that's pretty much it as far as the scenery goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and much like a movie like this, you're going to have some political statements made in there. Uh, you know, there was this whole 15-minute segment that was a comedy bit about police pulling over a car full of black people. Mm-hmm. And it was so far over the top and just annoying from the standpoint of, I understand there are some issues in that area, but it's not where this put it, try to put it in a, in a, uh, like in a comedic sense, like in a comedic right. setting. And it just didn't work out for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so do you feel like it's because like something like that shouldn't be laughed at or, I think it's one of those things where, because basically here's what happens, and I guess you can call this a spoiler if you want, but basically they get pulled over, Medea and her crew, and then Tyler Perry is playing Brian, who's like one of the regular characters, whatever, in all the movies. And they get pulled over by this police guy, and the whole time they're making jokes about, oh, we don't need to stop for the popo, you know, let's drive off or whatever, and Brian's like, no, these are police officers, they're just doing their job, yada, yada, yada. And then the police officer comes up, and he's like a complete cartoon. And Uh. it's not so much the fact that they try to make a comedic sense out of it, but it's how it was all portrayed. And also just to a point where, you know, that's a real, real issue. That the comedy just didn't offset how real of an issue it is. Right. In my, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, I feel like um, if you are going to make jokes about that or you're going to make jokes about the Holocaust or you're going to joke, you know, like Ricky Gervais always, you know, famously says, you can make a joke out of anything. It's just that you, you got to make it good. Yeah, that, and that's kind of where this was for me was that it was a bad enough joke that I couldn't tell whether to felt offended like as you know obviously a white male or if i should feel bad for the victims that maybe went to see this movie and they're like oh no there's this like that's not very funny mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that sort of thing that that was kind of where i was torn in between was I, at one point i was like this is a little bit offensive even though like i saw what they were trying to do it just didn't work out uh and then another one was and then the other feeling I had was like, I'm glad that I don't know any victims of a tragedy like that for because of a bat of a rogue cop basically. Yeah, right. Um, 
you know, so it was just a really awkward scene, and not just for me, but I think a lot of people in the theater. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of laughter going on for the most yeah. part in the theater I yeah. was in, and it was pretty packed out. And don't get me wrong, there was a couple of chuckles and that sort of thing because there are some like funny one-liners in there. Um, but just a scene as a whole that was meant to be this big comedic spill uh, landed very flat in the theater, and that's kind of right. what gave me all these emotions. And um, so it was a movie that was kind of full of that. Of just this super serious, super comedic, super serious, super comedic. And some of the jokes were really flat, and it got very old over the hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes or whatever this movie's runtime was. Right, right. Um, so if I rated this, I would just say don't watch it. I don't even think it's like a quote-unquote good Medea movie. Yeah. Um, you know, for what that's worth, I don't think so. But, I mean, if you're really into Medea, then, you know, a lo- very, very low stream it. Um, but I wouldn't personally spend any money to go see it. I, I didn't think it was that good. But again, if you just love Medea, it's kind of like, you know, if you love anything, you're going to do anything to be a part of it or see it or whatever. You know, sure, go ahead. But I don't think this was one of the better movies that they've done. So I have to I have to make a uh, observation. And I hate to say it, but is Medea the Adam Sandler of African Americans? <laughs> you know at this point maybe <laughs> well i'm just saying because there's so many here's here's why i say that there are so many people that just hate every single thing that adam sandler puts out but i happen to be one of those people who whatever he puts out i'll go see so it's like i oh, imagine yeah. this is the same thing where it's like everybody hates um you know, Medea, because Medea is the Jack and Jill of Adam Sandler. But for some reason, you just keep making Medea movies and people keep going seeing them. And I am I am also the person who keeps on going seeing the Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, it was uh, <laughs> definitely a little bit on the uh, strange side in terms of, you know, the. You know, <laughs> you might honestly be right. <laughs> I don't, but definitely I'm they're, here for. they're not good movies. Poignant observations. <laughs> Poignant observations. Yeah, and you know, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but uh, based on what I've been told is like a lot of people tend to have like an aunt or a grandma or something that acts a lot like Medea gotcha. in terms mm-hmm. of just that makes like, sense. maybe not quite as over the top, but just in the terms of you know, how she doesn't give a crap about nobody, but she's a really good person and that sort of thing, you know. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of line. That's kind of what I'm seeing, you know. So those are your reviews for the week. All right, so now we're going to jump right into the fan mail. And this was uh, not so much a question like it was, but it was kind of mentioned almost more like a statement. Um, and I don't quite know where to go with this. Um, but so here's the question from Mavcop. What's wrong with the X-Men franchise? A-list actors and C-plus movies at best. I've wanted to give all comic book movies praise when I can, but this whole franchise seemed cursed from the start and just never gelled as the real X-Men style feel. I really wanted Dark Phoenix to be good, but now I'm hoping it kills off the entire franchise entirely and we can start over. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it'll... It'll die and then rise from the ashes. <laughs> no, now here's the thing I'll say. Um, 
I don't think the X-Men movies are quite as horrible as the general perception of them are. Yeah, okay. Um, and I say that in this way. For example, you got to remember when the first X-Men came out, it was kind of the first real superhero movie. Yeah. Like, it kind of came out with that Spider-Man, that uh, Sam Raimi yep. got Spider-Man. So I think at the time when that came out, I think it matched actually what movies were back then. And the movie itself wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't like a great movie, but it wasn't like this B-rated, what we typically seen superhero movies to be. Yeah. So I think if you put it in context, definitely compared to now, what they're doing now, you True. Know, 15 years later or whatever, it's definitely a big, 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 big difference. Um, but I think the first and X2 movies are actually semi-solid movies. And especially X2, I thought I think is a really good movie. Yeah, um, I mean, X-Men and Spider-Man are the godfathers, so to speak, of the you know Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you think about it. Because without them showing the way that, hey, you can have a comic book, but you can make it a little bit more down-to-earth so that the general audience can latch on to it. You know, as soon as that took off, they're like, oh, well, let's start. Let, well, let's throw the Punisher in there. Okay, no, let, let's throw Captain... You know, the, the MCU, I don't think, would have existed without these movies. So I feel like that shouldn't be understated. Um, the Last Stand... I feel like always gets this really, really bad rep. And I mean, deservedly so, but I I also just feel like there's an, I'm going to go there. Okay. Warning, warning. I'm going there. Um, we have more X-Men good movies than we do Star Wars. Good movies. What, what, what? But, well, here's the thing. I don't think the X-Men good movies count up to the good Star Wars movies, you know? Um, like, in terms of the actual, well, I mean, how like, good yeah, they are. Ratio. I well, don't... Oh, okay, yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with you that, but I'm just talking about, like, quantity, you know? Because, yeah, uh, if we're talking about, like, the bad ones, we're talking about The Last Stand, Wolverine Origins, um, uh, Apocalypse. I didn't really like Apocalypse. You no, know? I didn't either. And uh, I'm putting Dark Phoenix there, even though I haven't seen it and nobody's seen it. But come on, Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's nothing but negative coming out of that. Yeah. And then also, but then if you uh, count, then if you count good, you got X Men One, you got X Two, you got the Wolverine, which a lot of people agreed was a pretty okay movie. You got Logan. Logan totally freaking counts. You got um, Days of Future Past and First Class. That's six versus the only what was it three or four so you have way more good movies than you do bad movies i do feel like the distinguish or the distinguishing characteristic there is that the bad movies are so bad that you know like apocalypse just oh i don't like that it one failed. i just didn't like it and bit. it's just like this is the seventh movie in the franchise and like we're still getting this st- stupid arc from magneto where i'm good no i'm bad no i'm good again it's like it's seven movies in figure something else out to do well i mean here's the thing i think that the first the original three x-men you had bad bad magneto which i think was the way they should have went outside of maybe first class you know they basically showed him turn evil quote-unquote in first class True. Should have just yes. left him there. Exactly, just, <laughs> just leave him there. 
having this stupid arc where like he begins the movie with the family so he's like he's a changed man but it's like was anybody in the theater thinking to themselves oh my god i can't wait to see how he lives the rest of his life like this no nobody's right. fooled by he's that it. it was this stupid ploy to somehow give him a reason to start the apocalypse he's magneto he doesn't need a reason to start the he's freaking magneto yeah and i'm not a huge fan of days of future past or whatever that movie was called oh um, you hold your was, tongue, it was, sir. It was okay. It wasn't bad, but I just I just wasn't like a huge fan of it. Right, you know? right, right. Um, but I mean, if you're like, hey, yeah, I like that movie. Hey, I'm not going to argue with you. You know, right, it was okay. Right. It wasn't bad. Um, but as a whole, I, I don't think the, I think the X Men franchise is better than we give it credit for. But like you said, yeah. the bad movies. There's here's the thing. Okay, if you look at let's say a professional fighter. Okay, like a boxer or something. And let's say his record is like 30 and 15. You're like, man, that guy's pretty good. He's got 30 wins. Well, here's the thing. He also has 15 losses, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we're doing with X-Men. It's a lot of wins and also a lot of losses. Um, And, yes, Logan does count for being in the universe, but it's almost like his own side story. So it's almost tough to put it with the X-Men franchise itself, especially since it was very much a uh, Hugh Jackman you know, love project, basically, you know? Um, and I think it totally showed during the movie about how passionate everybody was about making it and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, I, yes, Logan is a part of it, so you have to include it, but I think there's like a little bit of an asterisk there because it's so different than all the, you know, rated R, all this kind of stuff. True, true. Um, so I just want to throw that in there. You're right. But I think it's a case where we're both right in that sense. Um, <laughs> and now, that's okay. Do I think... That's okay here at Thread XE Productions. Everybody yeah. can be right. It's <laughs> not just left right. and right, red and blue. There can be a middle ground. Let's just find it together. I mean, the color purple is a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but no, so I mean, do we want the X Men franchise to actually go into the ground just so MCU can do whatever? I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know necessarily if I want a whole brand new cast. You know, we've already had that True. twice in 10 years. Yeah. You know, I I've mean, already had now, I will have Professor to admit X. that if we get Hugh Jackman in the Avengers and it takes Dark Phoenix flopping, is that worth it? Ah, maybe. maybe. I mean, that's the <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> So, you know, take for what it is, and and I never root for anything to be bad, uh, mm-hmm. per se. Like, I never root for anybody to I just you know, ever have down on their luck. I never do anything like that. But at the same time, I'm very much a realist, and Dark Phoenix looks uh, appears like it's not going to do very well. Yeah. Uh, both critically and commercially. I mean, um, when your advertisements just don't get me excited, I mean, it's just... I mean, I have to say, like... I don't know if it's a Marvel thing or if it's just a superhero thing, but like Captain Marvel and uh, Dark Phoenix, they both just like, this is what you're showing me to convince me (laughs) to go see the movie. It's like, you know, it doesn't look bad, but it's just, it's not convincing me to see it. Well, here's the other thing about the Dark Phoenix movie. We kind of already saw the movie. Exactly. That that's that, that's know, probably the so, worst part. Like, I can appreciate them trying to give a reboot on it, I guess, but there's not enough time has passed. You yeah. Know? That's it's one still, of those you try to do fresh. in like thirty years. You know, <laughs> not ten years. 
Um, so, and you know, the movie's been delayed or whatever. So, what's wrong with the X Men franchise? I think overall, it's a lack of general direction. I feel like they're just trying to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and I thought they were on the right path with First Class, and then Days of Future Past, like I said, was okay. Um, but Apocalypse, eh, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I think that they were wanting to do more with the different characters in their own spinoff, like do a Cyclops movie, do a right, Storm right. movie, and they just never happened because the Wolverine Origins movie was uh, so uh, hated. You know, which I think if you take that movie for what it is as just kind of a pure action flick, it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. the absolute worst. It's just when you think about the lore and everything else with it is what does it in. So I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the X-Men fr- franchise outside of they definitely miss on their movies some, but they, they also give good and... It's always tough to look back in retrospect at the original trilogy outside of maybe The Last Stand and be like, that was the best they could do. You have to recognize that nobody else had done what they were doing mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, so definitely true, like you said, Godfathers and Pioneers in that superhero genre movie. Uh, you know, they had the first team-up superhero movie with all these different superheroes that you may or may not be familiar with if you're a casual fan. Um, and all the backstory, that sort of thing. So, very, uh, very interesting, needless to say. And, I mean, I guess you could also count Deadpool as well as being a part of the X-Men, uh, no. just with how it's mentioned. Um, you know, so depending on how you want to view that, you know, eh. But, so that's our general thoughts on that. So thanks, Mavcop, for writing in. Uh, definitely interested to see what happens with dark phoenix yeah and just overall what happens with Mm -hmm. that and then the next real question i got asked um that we got asked here on movie fix is you know what do we think about the pg version or i guess it was pg-13 i can't quite remember of deadpool um and it was called uh what was it once upon once upon a deadpool And, I mean, it was okay. They added a couple of scenes, but there was literally nothing added to the movie. The The real problem is if you start paying attention to how they edited it, right. that's where the real issue starts to come because, you know, they took out whole sentences in some cases and replaced it with, like, three words. So there are, like, some spots where it's very obvious they cut out certain lines or they, you know, they replaced a curse word with a different word right um and really the only thing extra you get out of it is some of the uh, fred savage scenes right uh, you know making a little bit of a parody on the uh princess bride thing so that's pretty much all there is to that movie like it's okay like would i show it to somebody like i would much rather show somebody the rated r version before Mm -hmm. that but maybe it's like somebody's kid wants to see it like it's fine yeah. It's okay. Uh, just once, know that it's exactly the same movie. Yeah. You know, just I mean, Once Upon a Deadpool language. is like the absolute definition of a cash-in because it was right around the holidays. It was like, oh, here's a PG. The weirdest thing is, is that it was already out on Blu-ray. So you could go get the, like, you know, the unrated cut of it 
but then you'd go and see it in the theater just for a couple of extra scenes. Like, it's just, I was not interested in it whatsoever. And I'm just like, not only that, but then what I heard of it, because I didn't see it myself, but what I heard of it is that the parts that they did edit were were so, like, rushly done that it seemed like, well, this is probably just something they would have done, like, if they would have waited for it to come out on, like, uh, TNT or something. Yeah, like, it was it was something they would have done anyway, I think. Um, so it's definitely much more in that, if you think about what how TV movies are edited, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty close. Um, I don't think it's quite that bad, like, in terms of the editing goes, but it's definitely not the premium way to watch the movie definitely, in my opinion. Definitely. And they advertise new scenes with Fred Savage and, you know, scenes that weren't in the original. And basically all you get is a couple of a couple, like maybe like five, 10 minutes extra, maybe if that right, of right. Fred Savage scenes and they are what they are. They're a nice little giggle, but that's about it. You know? So that, that's kind of all the once upon a Deadpool is, you know, if I had to give it a rating, I guess uh, it would be a stream it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's fine. Like, I don't think it's as good as showing the rated R version, but I, I think if you have kids or something and you want them to see it, I think it's okay. It's just like kind of like watching it, like you said, on TNT or something, and they'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, we are going to, uh, I really want to talk about this, and I know you're super hyped about it, and I know it's mm-hmm. a super hyped thing, and this is a little bit against what we normally want to do on uh, Movie Fix. Uh, I don't necessarily want to get into a bunch of trailer hype stuff, but with this one, I'm super hyped about it, and Nick, this is my podcast, so I'm just going to kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, you do whatever and, the hell you want. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know why... But I'm super excited for Brightburn, mm. which is basically this horror movie take on Superman if he was bad as a child. Right. And, you know, if you haven't seen that, you really just need to watch a trailer. And I normally try to avoid trailers as much as possible to the point where I go to a movie 15 minutes after it starts just to avoid the trailer sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. That's part I mean, of the I try movie, to avoid. dude. <laughs> People say that, but when you go to see so many of them, um, you know, they just kind of show up and you see the same trailers over That's and over true. Again. That's true. So, and also I found I find that the movie is just much more entertaining without knowing much about it. So it's like one of those things where the less I know about a movie, the better off I am. Because mm, okay. uh, then I can just watch it for what it is and not what my expectations are. Um, but yeah, so with Brightburn, I'm hyped for the movie. If it's not great, like all time great. It's going to be a disappointment. Um, I mean, uh, just go watch it. That's all I can say. And that's all I really wanted to say about was go and watch it. I'm super mm-hmm. hyped for it. Uh, James Gunn, I believe is a producer maybe. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, good for him. Uh, and I hope that it does really great. And I'm actually kind of hoping, hoping it's like a backdoor pilot to some sort of other connected dc thing or something yeah, i don't know, who knows. But, you know i mean it looks like uh, such a good movie and i feel like only somebody like james gunn could have gotten this made because 
otherwise, this might have made it onto Netflix. It might have, like you were saying before, straight to DVD or straight. Like, this doesn't seem like a movie. Because, like, if you watch the trailer, it's almost like unabashedly Superman gone rogue. Like, yeah. other than his name isn't Kal-El, his name isn't, you know... Uh, Clark Kent or whatever. Other than other than that, this movie is unabashedly Superman gone rogue. That is what this entire movie is about. But it's what I do like the spin on it. Instead of it just being here's this high octane um, action movie where Superman, you know, the Man of Steel, he's he's crazy or whatever. Instead of that, it's shot like a horror movie. So, like, yeah. the, the trailers do a really good job of setting up that atmosphere and that dread, you know? And I feel like that's a really, really interesting twist on it. Um, the other one, what's the one that it's, like, set in the X-Men universe and it's uh, it's kind of shot like a horror movie? There's another one. Ah, crap. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, why don't you let me sure know in Discord? Let me know what it's called because I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's actually another one coming out some somewhat you know soon that is also kind of shot in the same way where it's like this scary movie, but it's like X-Men or something. So now we're getting this scary movie, but it's Superman. And this one just has that extra layer of like interesting because it's like it's basically a what if scenario, kind of like Inglorious Bastards was the what if scenario of if we actually were able to assassinate Hitler. This is the what if scenario if Superman was bad. And it's just... Yeah. It's so interesting because, I mean, especially number two. I don't know. Number one was more of the tone setter. And then trailer number two really kind of dove a little bit more into the story. And just from the looks of the story, and it shows, like, it's it's going to be a gradual, you know, uh, descent into his madness and what makes him finally like crack or whatever is just going to be so cool. It would be like if Omen, instead of just being about this stupid kid who like pushes over his maid with his tricycle, instead it's like he like throws somebody into the moon, you know? So, like, yeah. so for me, like that, that is a really interesting take. And especially in this age where it's so hard to find something you unique to do with the superhero genre that's what makes it really interesting because i mean you started it with deadpool with it being rated r then you got logan which is just a really good movie that just happened to be about you know about superhuman people and so this one could have that same thing and amongst your end game amongst your captain marvels and your dcs and the fact that dceu isn't existing anymore uh, amongst all of that having this movie is just a really good like palate cleanser i don't think it could ever live up to end game you know our our minds are going to be so hypotized that we're not going to be able to really it's not going to live up to to that however it is just going to be a really nice palate cleanser and just be like hmm, hmm that's nice hmm, yes yes can i have some cheese with that <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> and i mean i and again i'm right there with you man it's so difficult to do something original mm. um which you know it's kind of like what logan did which i hope the uh the joker movie does um oh that's know, a good point I, I even forgot about that one you know, I hope that I hope that if DC just goes that route of just doing these weird kind of off the wall, more 
things and quit worrying about making it a super universe and then just suddenly throw them together and you have a universe, bam. You know, because here's the argument I've always made, and I'm kind of jumping into the DCEU rant. Mm-hmm. Here's the argument I've always made for art for Marvel. The universe works because they didn't try to make it a universe. Yeah. Like they did by the fact that there was like always a couple of references. There was an Easter egg over here of this. But for the most part, all the Marvel movies are their own self-contained movie for the most part. Exactly. The only time it even really comes to where, hey, you need to kind of watch this movie to get this movie is a little bit in Avengers and slash or uh, Infinity War. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And, And that's about it. Everything else is his own standalone movie. And they just have a couple of Easter eggs, and then they have an end credit scene. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're all connected. You know? Um, so I'm really hoping that maybe uh, this gives just DC more ideas on what to do with True. some of the properties that they have. And super hype for Brightburn. And uh, when, when does it come out? Do you, do you know? Not off the top of my head. It's pretty soon. Not though. off the top of my head either. I think, I think it is relatively soon, but... Either way, we're pumped for it. Uh, so let us know if you're excited for Brightburn or not. Uh, super pumped about it. And, uh, Nick, that's pretty much going to wrap up the show. Uh, the only thing we're going to do last uh, that we're going to do every time is go over the upcoming movies. And really the only upcoming movie for this weekend, and it's such a big movie, they kind of move everything else away from it, is Captain Marvel. Yeah, Um yeah. And I almost feel like this is super a super important movie, not so much for uh, Endgame, but for what the next phase of Marvel's universe is. Yeah, yeah. That's I really set up feel to that be. this movie. I really feel like this movie has a, a lot riding on it, even though it may not feel like it, because we're all just anticipation of Endgame. You true. Know? True. Um, and what's actually kind of crazy is we're getting, we got three Marvel movies last year, I think two the year before, and we're getting three this year after the the Spider-Man homecoming. Huh? What's the third one? Spider-Man. Oh yeah, that exists. Yes. (laughs) So once the Spider-Man comes out in July. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There's not another scheduled Marvel movie to be released until like mid to late 2020. <gasps> so we're actually going to have a little bit of a break between mm-hmm. the Marvel movies uh, after, you know, Endgame and Spider-Man. And really, it's really just Endgame because the Spider-Man movie apparently takes place before Endgame. Who the and hell I, knows at this point? Because, you know, <laughs> so, I don't want to get into that know. rant. That's a, that's a rant for another day, sir. <laughs> oh, no, I know. But I'm just saying that whatever that situation is, you know, um, we're all very excited for Infinity War, uh, not Infinity War, but Endgame, the second part to Infinity War. Very pumped about that. And supposedly the movie is running at about two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes, almost three hours long. Heck yeah, give it to so me. So we get the epic, you know, uh, that Batman versus Superman should have been. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I really feel like Captain Marvel is almost coming at a bad time as oddly as that sounds yeah, even though it's only yeah, like a I month totally behind. Agree with that. like i just feel like nobody's excited for it as much as they probably would be if it wasn't for end game yeah, as um, much as it would be if they weren't just toxic males yeah pretty much <laughs> uh and we're not gonna get into all that but uh so expect a, a good bit to come from movie fix next week for captain marvel 
Um, very excited about it. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm excited to see it. I think I'm more excited than you are to see it. I know that you've mm-hmm. kind of expressed you're not you know yeah. super pumped about it, but uh, I mean I'm sure you'll see it at some point in your life. Um, yes, I will. But uh, definitely, 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 uh, you know, Captain Marvel is basically the big one for this weekend, mm-hmm. which is going to be the main uh, review we're going to hit on next week. All right, so Nick, uh, got a little bit of a long one on our hands, but uh, overall, man, I appreciate you being on. Thought it went very well. Uh, why don't you kind of, again, just kind of plug TX3 and plug yourself, and uh, let's get on up out of here. All right, I'll plug myself, but I might have to stand up for that. Um, so ThreadX3 <laughs> Productions, you can go to uh, YouTube or TX3 Productions on Twitter, or ThreadX3Productions at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us. Uh, we do Nerd to the Third, which is our video games, movies, and nerd culture podcast, or Apex Legends Hubcast. And I'm the host of both of those, so you can go over there and check out if you like what we're doing here. Uh, which usually uh, I would imagine you'd be coming from over here to there. But hey, if you've discovered this and you like games, go on over there. All right, then, okay. That was awesome. (laughs) All right, guys. (laughs) Until next time, uh, this is Coach with TX3 Productions. And you can always uh, follow us on the Discord. Again, I'll drop the link in the uh, description of the podcast. Uh, You can always find me, Coach, at CoachSmitty24 on Twitter. Uh, You can email me if you want to, moviefixpod at gmail.com. And again, there's always the Discord. Uh, come and hang out with us and see what all TX3 has to offer. So, Nick, again, thank you for being on. Absolutely. And until next guy, until next time, guys, I hope that you have your movie. Ooh, I like that sign-off. I like that.